you take care of people and the results will come. I try not to focus on the results. So I know I had mentioned, obviously, I have goals of doing 100 million next year. In the past, I generally set unit goals and I have fell short of, of what my goals are. They're pretty aggressive year over year. It's, it's easy to focus on the number. I, I find you tend to lose sight sometimes of what's important. If, if The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here from $100 Million Journey, Episode 8. This is a new project we're working on where it's a part video series, part podcast series called The $100 Million Journey. And so what we're doing is we're applying the best of what we've learned from 170 plus interviews and applying it in real time to my business partner's business with the goal of getting her from $8 million a year in production to $100 million a year in production. And we're going to document the ups and downs of what it takes to build a $100 million business. So check it out at ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash 100mdj. And over the next 12 months, we'll be producing two podcasts per month and two high quality videos that document what we're doing. And we'll talk to mortgage pros. We'll talk to experts, anybody that we think will help us along in our journey. And this week on the show, I have Brandon Woodard. Brandon's a mortgage broker out of Hampton, Ontario. And he's only been in the business for four years, but the guy's absolutely killing it. In his first year, he did 71 deals, which is a pretty high number for right out of the gate. And so I spent a lot of time asking, like, dude, how did you do that? How did you go from no deals at all to 71 deals? And he just talked about a lot about how having a plan, um, having discipline around prospecting made a big difference. I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's, it's very inspiring listening to Brandon's story, but also there's lots of great advice that's, that's in there as well. And then we talked a lot also about his team structure and how that's helped him get to, he's going to probably finish this year at about 200 deals. And his goal is to finish the next year in at 100 million, which is interesting because our goal is also 100 million i don't think we're, we're not going to be able to get there next year in 2018 but perhaps 2019 so we're another year away from two years away from what we're trying to do but anyways i check out this interview with brandon i think you're going to love it i'm excited to see what he does with his uh, with his quest as well This episode is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now, normally when we have a sponsor for the show, it's because I personally use their product or service and I can give it a 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different. I personally don't do B-deals. So I decided to do some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and everyone I talked to said they were fast, down to earth and underwrote deals if they made sense, which is exactly what you're looking for in a private lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they're really fast. In most cases, they can give you an answer in two hours or less. So if you're a broker looking for a B deal in BC or Alberta, check out Pioneer West and tell them you heard about them on Isle of Mortgage Brokering. They're big supporters of our community and we really appreciate all they've done for us. Check them out at pioneerwest.com. Hey, Brandon, welcome to the show. Morning, Scott. How are you? So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage biz. Well, I'm 33 years old. It's my fourth year as a broker. I've got a team of three here in Hamilton, Ontario, about 40 minutes uh, from Toronto. How I got in the mortgage business, I worked for a major financial institution for uh, six, seven years. I actually focused on high net worth uh, investments, was not uh, 
particularly focused on mortgages. Um, and I found that uh, a lot of people in my network were reaching out to me um, looking for mortgages. It wasn't necessarily my focus, but it's what people uh, came to me for. So I, uh, I got friendly with uh, one of the mobile mortgage specialists at my company and started learning a little bit more about the business. And he taught me a lot about kind of how that end works. And it's something I became more and more interested in. And uh, I made the move first day, January 2nd of 2014, and I've uh, been rocking ever since. So you started out in finance, and then you moved into mortgage specialist, and then you're mortgage specialist for how long? Two, two, how many years before you switched to becoming a broker? Well, I, I never was a mortgage specialist. Oh, you weren't? At the bank, no. I, uh, I became friends with uh, someone who was, and I just learned a little bit about the role through him. And he, uh, he ended up leaving the bank and... Uh, stayed in my ear and just went straight from financial advisor over to the broker world. It's a different animal, right? Like it's not the same, it's, it's money and stuff, but it's not the same as doing mortgages. So how's it gone for you? Uh, it's gone very well. I mean, working at the bank, I was, I was a successful financial advisor. I kind of always treated it like my own business. I mean, I had a book. I didn't like being bounced around from branch to branch, which tends to happen at the bank. So that, that's what kind of got me thinking, I want to have my own book. Um, and if I'm going to treat it like my own business, I may as well have my own business. Kind of the freedom and the uh, compensation, like the incentive-based income, that's kind of what, uh, what made me uh, make the move over from working for a company to working for myself. And then how did you start finding clients? Because we were chatting before and your first year numbers were pretty impressive, which we can chat about in a bit. But so when you decide, okay, you leave the bank, it's not like the bank sending you business. So how did you go and start to build your business? Um, I mean, I've always had a, a large network growing up. Uh, I had a lot of different groups of friends. I was, I was actively involved in sports, played a lot of hockey, baseball, soccer. Um, so I had a lot of diverse friend groups and I stayed in contact with, with a lot of them. I've, I've got a quite a good memory. So I could see someone that I haven't seen in 20 years and I'll recognize someone from grade one or grade two. People often think it's a little creepy, but it's kind of one of my strengths, I guess. Dude, I would love to have that superpower. I, like I'm terrible. Yeah. That's so bad. That's, that's awesome. I got a friend like that actually has incredible memory as well. And it's, it's kind of annoying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear you. So yeah, I kind of had a large network to build my business from. So, I mean, it's not something that I kind of, I came in January 2nd. I had a plan. I had a year of planning behind me already. So I knew what I was going to do. I kind of had a roadmap mapped out. So, I mean, first few months, a lot of driving around, a lot of phone calls, want to make sure everybody knows what I'm doing. The core coaching kind of has a, a bit of a roadmap that I stuck to pretty uh, consistently in regards to like set amount, number of face-to-face -face meetings, lunches, phone calls. I had lists of 50 real estate agents that I knew. I kind of looked through uh, all the top agencies, printed off the list of all the agents and just started highlighting anybody that I knew. I mean, maybe I played hockey against them. I went to high school with them. Maybe I've done a deal with them or a friends use them. And I just started making phone calls. Uh, that's kind of where I started. Um, financial planners. I knew a lot of them from my, my years at the bank. Um, insurance advisors, same thing. Just kind of had a list of everyone I wanted to reach out to. And, and first day I just, I just started driving around and making those phone calls, going into businesses that I, I frequent, making sure they know what I'm doing. Um, so just kind of being out there involved in the, the chamber of commerce in my city in Hamilton here. So just being active, being out, out in the public, making sure people know what I do. 
and uh, hopefully uh, presenting myself as a resource for them when they need mortgage advice. And how was your first year in terms of units? Do you, do you mind sharing that? Yeah, first year was uh, great. I did 71 deals in year one, and uh, that translated to about $18 million in mortgage volume. So I, I'd say that was pretty good results coming out of the gate. Dude, that was that's awesome. Okay, so I, I think there's a couple of things you talked about. So you started with a plan, and then you also had daily activities. So like how many calls were you making a week? What was your plan? The first few months, a lot. I'd love to say that I kept up with that pace, but uh, that's not uh, that's not been the case. I'd say I'd probably 10 calls a day to referral sources. So that's realtors, financial advisors, insurance planners, lawyers, accountants. And what was the conversation look like? Let's say it's a realtor that you don't know. What would that like, or you didn't, you kind of knew through your network, but what would that look like? I'd try to make a connection first. So like I say, maybe I, I played sports with them. I knew them through a friend. I had used them myself or a friend had used them. So I'd first first try and make a connection. If I know someone, I know you, they've used a realtor, maybe I'd ask that person to put me in touch with them so I have a, a warmer introduction. Um, just not being afraid to, to reach out. I, I had the seven years financial background. People knew what I did. I had the confidence of people to make financial financial decisions for them. Um, so I found that's, that's a huge obstacle for someone that doesn't have the financial background. Mm -hmm. That's one advantage I did, did have is, is the trust of, of people that know me. So it did make that reach out a little, uh, a little easier for myself. And how long did it take you to get your first deal? First deal closed three weeks, uh, three weeks into the year. So I, I kind of had that, uh, right out the gate three weeks from day one, I had my first deal closed. That's awesome. And then so you'd make 10, about 10 phone calls a week. And then how many face to face meetings? 10 phone calls a day. Oh, a day. Sorry. Yeah. 10 a day. So it's 50 a week. And then and when you call it a phone call, do you have to talk to them or you just leave them a message? Does that count? That's talking to talking to people. I Like I say, I had a list. I didn't have many deals out of the gate. So my job was essentially to make contacts. So I was just going through them until I talked to 10 people. And then I was also doing generally two meetings a day, whether a lunch and a coffee, driving around, stopping at real estate offices. So pretty much my full-time job was just making contacts with, with people for the first four or five months. That's awesome. And then when did you, cause now you have a team of three. And so when did you decide to add help? At what point did you realize, hey, this is actually, I'm going to need some help with this? Say so that was about halfway through year two. I was uh, I, I was working well above capacity. I mean, right down to like sorting my files, proper order compliance, that type of thing. And it, I, I didn't have the time to keep up with the calls and the lunches and the coffees. So I definitely too long to hire. I hired out of Wait, so okay. What? How many units did you do in the second year? If you don't mind me asking. Second year, 121. Right. Not quite double. But 121, 10 deals a month, that's a lot. Uh, it's a lot for any, any one person to handle. So definitely hired out of necessity, kind of on the verge of going crazy, working probably 12, 14 hours a day and, and falling more and more behind by the minute. So I, I brought someone on halfway through year two. What kind of impact did that have on your business? Definitely took a lot of the tasks that, uh, that I didn't enjoy doing, a lot of the administrative, administrative stuff document preparation, following up with client for last minute documents. A lot of the things that were were taxing and not necessarily rewarding, getting those off my plate allowed me to get back to focusing on, on what brings in the business, on the networking, on relationships, and making sure that I have the time to, to focus on, on what I do best. 
Okay. And then you, so now you have a third person. So what point did you decide to add the third person to your team? Third person came on March of this year. So you, this is year four. Hmm. Essentially my, myself and, and my, my first hire, we were reaching a point where there was a lot of things we wanted to do. We had a lot of great ideas and we weren't really sure how to implement them. We're not, uh, neither of us have a very strong technology background. Uh, so we had ideas in regards to social media applications we wanted to to implement and we didn't have the knowledge for that Mm -hmm. so we uh we brought on someone else that had a background in marketing social media things like that do the things that we had we knew needed to be done but i didn't know how to implement that so that's it's also allowed us to to shift some additional work over there such as document preparation administration stuff and allow myself and uh and my my other employee to uh to focus on on the deals and, and underwriting and talking to clients. Okay, cool. And then, so right now, just out of curiosity, so what did 2016 look like for units? 2016, 147 deals, and that that, that translated to about 44 million in, uh, in mortgage dollars. And that's that's awesome. Where are you kind of headed? What's your kind of what's your goal? Next year's goal, alongside with your podcast, actually the hundred million dollar journey. That's uh, that's the goal for next year. Pretty aggressive for sure. Uh, this year we'll settle around 200 deals, 60, 65 million. So it's definitely uh, an aggressive goal for next year. We have the lot 2016 to 2017 in, in bringing on the uh, the third team member has really allowed us to kind of fine tune our, our process and take a good look at how we do things and, and operate more efficiently and uh, allow us to, to service more clients. So I think that $35 million jump is, it is doable. It's going to be a lot of work, no doubt. Do you think you can do it with just the three of you or do you think you need another person? I think that's kind of what we, what we've been discussing the last few weeks. We are looking at bringing on a fourth team member in the new year. It, it will be, t- it would be tough to, to manage a a hundred million dollar book with, with three people. So we, we should have four, uh, operating full speed for January of 2018. And, uh, how many units are you expecting that to, to be like, cause to me, it's all about you, like volume amounts can vary so much from one community to the next that, but units, they all take around the same amount of time. So what are you thinking for units to hit? The units million? probably gonna be about 250 units, uh, for us, 250 to 275 in that, in that ballpark. Okay. That's awesome, dude. That's amazing. And I love that you have a plan and that, okay. So now what does your day look like now? So you've got, you've got two people helping you, you know, your, your things are moving pretty well. Are you still making calls every day? Are you, do you have time for that? Are you still doing face to face? Like what's your week look like? Definitely, uh, tr- always trying to free up more time to make those calls. As like I say, I, I wish I could say that I had stuck to the amount of calls I was doing out of the gate in 2014, but it's uh, it's easy to get tempted and, and pulled into the the business of doing business when deals are there. Definitely no shortage of leads at this point. It's just finding the time to to service them. So calls, networking calls, realtor calls, things like that generally do take a backseat when, when I get busy. So that's something I am working on, trying to keep that in my schedule, making sure I, I do those calls. Monday morning is historically when I, I make those calls. Easy with uh, a lot of realtors are doing business over the weekend. Maybe they've got some offers. Perhaps we've chatted uh, at some point about mutual clients over the weekend. So Monday morning is an easy time to make that call. You know, where's your offer accepted? Where are we at? So Monday morning, generally, I'm trying to make still five to ten outreach calls. Usually, those are uh, those are to realtors or uh, or to the clients themselves. 
Okay. And so what does the split of your business look like in terms of where does the, where does the business come from? Like realtors, client referrals, financial planners, do you ha- know what that split looks like? Yeah, it's kind of changing right now. I mean, I'm in my fourth year. So I mean, most of my, most of the mortgages are five years. So my, my database is just starting to have maturities coming due in, in the next year. My existing clients, past clients has started to increase in the percentage of my business. Outside of that, about 40% comes from realtors. Another 30% comes from financial planners. Uh, realtors was where I focused out of the gates. Uh, I, I knew a lot of real estate agents, so that was kind of an easy, uh, easy transition. I, I, having worked at the bank, I dealt with a lot of real estate agents, so they, they knew my voice. They knew what I do and what I'm about. Uh, so that was for easy calls to make and, and realtors, they tend to have similar goals as myself. Uh, I've partnered with a lot of great real estate agents, uh, here in Hamilton. And, uh, it, it's, it's nice to be able to do business with someone that, uh, that I'm also friends with listening to your podcast. I think it was Eton Pinsky, uh, had mentioned that, uh, he doesn't deal with anyone that he couldn't hang out with. And I, I, I mimic that I, there's no real estate agent or partner that I deal with that. I couldn't go out for lunch or, or have a drink with, and uh, there's no awkwardness. It's uh, it's like we're yeah, friends. Yeah, it's not and, worth it, honestly. You, you have to find the right people to work with. Right, and that's something we focused on right from the get-go is find a few key people that you enjoy doing business with that have growing businesses and have similar values to myself. And, and it's it's easy if if someone's referring something and, and you can kind of tell they don't really have the confidence, it's, it's not a friend of theirs. Like You can pick that up. So if someone's referring me generally the client that's listening to that, they can tell that it, it's a warm referral. It's someone that they like and trust. And I think that that means a lot. Right. Okay. So if a lead comes in, do you take the call first to somebody in your team? And then sort of like, what's that look like? So I've got my one partner at work. She has a lot of experience working from a major financial institution as well. She had worked at a bank for 15 years and was actually the supervisor of a, a mortgage team of 10 to 12 people at a branch. So I find that whether it's myself or her taking the call, that's the most important part right when when the lead comes in, getting a full, accurate application, making sure you instill confidence in that client that they're best suited in, in your hands. So I, I'm fortunate enough to have someone who I, I have the confidence in taking that lead. So either myself or her would take that lead from uh, from the get-go. And so you guys, like, do you just split them? Is it kind of like you do half, she does half, or does it just kind of depend... Depends on on who's doing what at the time. If I'm on the phone, if I'm with a client, I know that she can handle it and and vice versa. She has her own referral sources as well. So a lot of them may come directly to her. Uh, If she's on vacation, I can take that lead just as well as if I'm away. She can take that. That's that's something that I was very, very uh, nervous about. I, I am a bit of a control freak. So passing things like that off, I found from in the past is, uh, you can really uh, damage your business if you don't have the right person at the contact point. And the further your your distance from the transaction, it can get dangerous if you don't have the, the right players in, in place. So that was something, bringing someone on that I had a, had confidence in and I knew clients would as well. That was something that I, I struggled with for a long time. There's not a lot of people I would have trusted in, in that position. Right. But she actually had more years experience in mortgages than you. So that's right. Uh, that's, right. that's actually a... A, a plus, right? Absolutely. So that's kind of something we're going through with Jules' business right now is just th- looking at our team structure and stuff. So I've been, uh, that's why I'm asking all these questions. So everybody else is listening in on this podcast, but I'm actually just going, okay, well, 
what should we do with Jules business? Okay. So then in terms of systems, how do you guys keep track of your, you said you're going to finish your about 66 million. How many units is that? Like 150 units or something? We'll, we'll be right around 200. 200. Okay. So, so 200 units. How do you guys keep track of, that's like 16 files a month. How, yep. how are you not losing track of anything with just the two of you and then the marketing slash social media assistant? Right. We, we've got a daily, uh, a daily meeting. We have a lead tracker where every day we go through the leads and the status of those leads. So we've kind of got a flow chart we use on Microsoft Excel. So every day we're going through those leads. What's the status of them? Have we spoke to them? Have we received a full application? Have we received documents? Do we have a file approved and do we have the file funded? So we're making sure every day we're going through that to make sure that nothing's dropped. I mean, there might be a busy day where we get six, seven leads. The next day, maybe I left a voicemail for someone they haven't got back in touch. I want to make sure that we address that first thing next morning and that I'm following up on that or I'm calling the realtor that referred them and saying, hey, I, I left a message. Did you do your daily meeting every at the same time every day? Yes, 9, 9 a.m. every day. And then how long does it take typically? The, going through the leads usually not more than, than five, 10 minutes. Uh, the meeting usually lasts about half hour. So we'll go through the, the lead tracker and then that'll, that'll take us into the files. And, um, we're making sure that we delegate the tasks, uh, for the day, go through what's most important. And that, uh, we find just taking half hour in the morning eliminates a lot of back and forth. Oh, throughout absolutely. The rest of the day. I think it's critical. We talk about all the time getting, setting up a daily huddle and just get into the and then the, the purpose obviously prioritize and leave it with it we like to have a top three every time at the end of the meeting do you guys do something like that yeah i can't say that we we have a top three but there's uh there's generally one one two tasks that everybody leaves with that's their focus they know so that's got to get done yeah i just think it's a great way to orient your day so it's awesome. for sure and then so okay and the lead tracker is just a, a spreadsheet that you use essentially yep okay and then your other assistant, what does she do for you? The one that does social media and some document stuff. So what, what she does is um, she handles the, the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, event planning, uh, invitations, booking, booking a hall or booking wherever an event may be, taking care of reservations, food, all that fun stuff, all of our marketing material. So ordering business cards, thank you cards, things like that. Um, running incentives. So maybe we have a promotion going on where say you send us a mortgage statement, you get a pair of, of Hamilton tire cat tickets or Toronto blue Jay tickets, things like that. Mm -hmm. So she'll, uh, she'll be looking always for new, new marketing, uh, ideas. Mm -hmm. She would also handle like client closing packages, following up with clients post close, making sure everything went smooth. We send a gift basket out following closing, making sure that they've received that. Asking, uh, asking the clients if they'd review us on, on Facebook, on Google, things like that. All the things that I think are very important, but generally when, when I get busy, those are the first things that start to fall off. So definitely an important part of, uh, important part of the process. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And having like a team to help you is, uh, is the way to do it. Right. You said something about events. So tell me what kind of events are you guys doing? So we do, uh, we like to do three or four events, uh, throughout the year. So we do a, uh, each summer we do a boat cruise, uh, Hamilton Harbor. We get a, a ship out for three hours. We get a DJ out, catered food. Usually is about 150 to 200 people. We just go out for, for a couple hours for a cruise and a fun night of, uh, of music and drinks and food. So that's one thing that, uh, that we've done for a few years that we particularly like. 
we'll uh we got our christmas party coming up and so who do you I, invite to these is this clients or like realtors and financial planners or we our partner events like the the boat cruise is more so partners sure there's some clients that that get in there a lot of like my partners end up being clients as well maybe i've got some clients that i've done a few deals with that I, i've become friendly with that would come out to, to something like that we also will do uh client events like uh, an easter egg hunt at easter where we invite clients and, and come out and, and they bring their children they pick up easter eggs like a halloween uh pumpkin giveaway we've done in the past and so how many people will you get out to these other events like say the easter egg hunt and the the halloween thing Easter egg Halloween thing, I'd, I'd probably say we're looking at 100 to 150 people out to, to one of those. Boat crew, same thing, 150 to 200 people. And then uh, we do some some smaller events for our, our key partners, maybe people that, that send us 5, 10 plus deals a year, where we'll maybe do, um, we'll head out in a, in a limo to Niagara and Lake for a winery tour or a Toronto Blue Jays, a sports game, something like that. We try to do one or two of those a year as well. So how many real estate agents would you say that you work with? I would say uh, probably around 20 real estate agents that I'm dealing with year to year. There's probably um, five to 10 agent teams that we work with uh, very regularly. Uh, I was fortunate enough to partner with some teams that were growing kind of at, at the same pace as myself over the last four years. And uh, they've brought on new team members, more people, buyers, agents sending me deals. And I've, I've maintained uh, great relationships with, with a couple of very successful agents. And when you deal with successful agents, they tend to hang around with other successful agents. So in becoming friends with them, you meet other agents who are doing great business. And uh, there's, there's no better way to get in with, with a new team than having someone else be a cheerleader for you and be able to testify to your business and your abilities. Okay. So this is something that some people have had trouble with or that I've talked to and they say, well, Hey, I can only work with a couple of real estate agents because I try to send them deals back. So obviously when you're working with this many that your value proposition is not, you send me a deal, I send you a deal. Sometimes you, some real estate agents can have like kind of ego, like, Hey, I want you to be my, they, they want to be in a monogamous relationship with you, but that doesn't work as a mortgage broker. So how do you navigate that? Right. That's definitely something that, that I, I found coming out of the gate. A lot of people are, were interested in incentives. Am I, am I giving kickbacks, gift cards, things like that? That's what a lot of people lead with as, as their value. That was never something that, that I was, I was big on. I never told anyone that I approached that, that return business or incentives was, was what I'm about. I sold myself on, on making their job easier. Uh, as a real estate agent, your best, your time's best spent on, on selling and buying houses. So my value is to make sure that that process goes smooth so they can do more of what they do. Someone that's interested in a gift card type relationship, uh, uh, here's, here's one for you. Here's one for me. Not really something that, that I'm interested in. Right. So I, I found that just kind of selling myself as, as an expert and someone that's going to make sure their deals close efficiently on time. And that when they make a referral, hand my card to a client, that I'm going to make them look good. I'm going to edify, edify them and I'm going to make sure that that client knows that they're dealing with, with a fantastic realtor and that they're not going to hear from me on closing day with problems. I'm going to make sure that, that everything goes smooth and that's going to allow them to, to earn more commission in, in their business. Right. And top agents care. That's what they care about. They just want to make sure that good communication and get my files done. So that no surprise, like don't surprise me, like you said, last minute. Right. So 
it's 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 sometimes it's the weaker agents that are like hey i need 50 bucks or something you're like crap like if that's the attitude of the agent that's probably a good indication that i'm I'm in front of someone that i i perhaps shouldn't be so there's those people will will always exist and that's not a type of relationship that i'm i'm interested in at this point uh, have you ever had to fire a real estate agent no i mean some of some of them have come and gone and perhaps i haven't followed up on on some people that that i no longer deal with um there's difference differences of attitudes and, and whatnot that I'm not going to perhaps uh, be able to deal with everybody. And that's okay. I, I can't say that I've personally phoned someone and said, had a, a breakup or anything like that. But yes, yeah, some have, have come and gone. And, and that's okay. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. So what is the one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? I had mentioned I, I hired at a necessity. I was at kind of a boiling point and I brought someone on definitely much later than I should have. So when you're when you're operating above full capacity and now you've brought someone on and you've got to you've got to show them the workings of the business, what their role is, it, it's an additional duty in, into what's already a busy schedule. So I would say bring on a, a partner, bring on an employee before you need them. Your time is best spent networking, uh, marketing yourself, getting out there, bringing in the business. I find you can kind of buy you can kind of buy your time. You bring someone on before you have to to free up your own time. It's it's easy to look at it as an expense, and that's generally the first uh, the first reason why people defer, probably longer uh, than they should. But I find you get someone on your team, it frees up so much time for you, and it actually turns into more business with uh, with that time if you use it effectively. That's awesome. And what's one thing or habit you think's made you successful? You take care of people, and the results will come. I try not to focus on the results. So I know I had mentioned, obviously, I have goals of doing a hundred million next year. In the past, I generally set unit goals and I have fell short of, of what my goals are. They're pretty aggressive year over year. It's, it's easy to focus on the number. I, I find you tend to lose sight sometimes of what's important if, if you're fixated on that number. I fell two years ago, I fell three deals short of, of what my goal is. And I, I can say probably towards the end of it, maybe I got a little, perhaps I got more pushy or, or testy than I would have been because I was, I was feeling the pressure of, of hitting that goal. I find if you focus on taking care of people, doing what's best for your clients, the results are going to come. You can't, right. you can't focus on the number. You focus on taking care of people and, and people refer people when they're, they're taken care of. So I find you focus on, on your clients and everything else, uh, Takes just falls into place. Do you keep track of your goals by having them written down somewhere? Do you write them down frequently? Like what's your process for that? Our first meeting on Monday morning, we have uh, kind of accountability meetings or an accountability component to our meeting each Monday where we'll have a business goal and a personal goal that we want to accomplish for the week. So maybe it's something simple as maybe going to the gym three times or running X amount of kilometers, um, whatever that may be. And then we'll have a business goal. I want to reach out to five new real realtors. So that's something that, that our team, we found great success with. If I know Monday morning, let, let's, my goal last week was to, to finish a book I was reading and I, I had about a hundred pages left when I woke up Monday morning. So I went, I uh, went to a coffee shop. I read the hundred pages before I, I got to work. 
And uh, I wouldn't have done that without uh, those accountability meetings. So that right. that's something our team really finds value in. I also set uh, I set yearly goals. So between Christmas and New Year's, usually that's that's slower season. I set a lot of goals for myself in in various uh, facets of life. So okay, good. And have you have you done that for a long time? I've done that for for probably five six years, where I set maybe two travel destinations I want to go to that I haven't been. Uh, financial goals, business goals, just personal lifestyle goals. I'll generally set one or two for each facet of life. And, and that just keeps me focused throughout the year. It's something I, I wake up, uh, I grab my phone, I, I reread those goals, whether it's for the week or for the year. And that right. way, I, hopefully my, my actions throughout the day are geared towards achieving those. That's awesome. And what was the book that you wanted to finish? It's called Solve for Happy by Mo Gaudat. He's the uh, chief business officer of, of Google. Okay, yeah, I've heard of it. Here's my last question. So um, you had talked about, you kind of alluded to this already about how big challenge was letting go. So what advice would you give for Jules? Because obviously our goal is to get her to 100 million. And one of the challenges is always that, you know, when you're really competent, it's hard to let go of your, to let go and get somebody to help you. So what advice would you have for, for Jules on that? I would definitely say that having team members that you're confident in is, uh, is a huge part of that. Like you say, having issues with uh, control and letting go myself, I wouldn't let go to just anyone. So the, the most important part is making sure that you've got the right people on your team and making sure that they have the knowledge to succeed. I, I mean, if you know how to do it, uh, it's, it's very easy to convince yourself that no one else in the world can do what you do. But most of the things we do day to day are transferable. You just need to spend time with someone. If it's taking applications, looking at, at, at deals, just work with that person and have them watch exactly how you do it and take notes. And if, if it's listening to calls, have them just job shadow you essentially. And they'll pick up little tips and tricks that you do. And that way your, your service level is consistent. If, uh, like I say, the, the lead, whether myself or, or my team member takes it, it's going to be the same, the same questions, the same process. And uh, that's important to make sure that uh, there's not a different experience when you're dealing with different people. You've got to make sure that that same excellent service is consistent throughout. 